Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I am your host, Movie Mike, a.k.a. Mike D, a.k.a. Mike Distro, a.k.a. the guy who just wants to be your movie guy. And this week, we're talking about crossover movie franchises that I think need to happen. I'll explain that. And also, I'm aware that the Oscars happened last night, if you're listening to this on release day. And if you're looking for Oscar talk, I will be putting up a separate episode, a special movie news on all the Oscar coverage. So whatever platform you're listening to on right now, that will drop later in the feed. So look out for that. We'll also talk double movie reviews, two brand new movies, one from Netflix called Stowaway and one in theaters and on HBO Max, the new Mortal Kombat. I'm actually bringing on my brother who also watched that movie to talk about that with me. Lots of movie talk to get to, so let's waste no time and get right into it. Let's get started. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast, one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. All right, let's talk about crossover movie franchises that need to happen. So the director of the upcoming Fast and the Furious F9 movie says that he's not outruling that a possible Jurassic Park and Fast and the Furious movie crossover could happen. And I heard that and thought it sounded completely ridiculous, but also at the same time, I was like, you know what? Maybe I would watch that. So I got to thinking, I came up with my own list of crossover movie franchises that I think need to happen. Now, the reason he said this is because they are both from the same studio. They're both universal. So there is a possibility this could actually happen. Sounds pretty ridiculous. I don't think that it will, but I would watch that. Now, when it came down to making my list in the movie franchises I picked, there were no rules. I just put together a list of things I would get out of my couch and go to the movie theater right now to see and pay any amount for a ticket because it would be amazing. Now, there's probably not a world that this would ever happen, but I think as a movie lover and just 
fans around the world would really enjoy these movies. And if there was just any possibility or any shred of like somebody actually making these happen, even if they're like fan movies, I think they should happen. So the very first one is probably the easiest one you could think of. But it would be amazing. And it's DC versus Marvel. So basically the Justice League versus the Avengers. Now it's probably a logistics nightmare and all the licensing of who owns who. But man, could they just give us this crossover? It would be amazing. They've done it in comic books. There was actually a comic book miniseries published by DC and Marvel Comics back in 1996. Which I thought was amazing that... This actually happened, at least in some capacity. And the cool thing about this is when they did put Marvel characters against DC characters in the comic books, the outcome of each of those battles was actually determined by reader ballots. So you would read the comic book, and then people would vote on who they think should win the fight. So I think that kind of interactive ability for anything is amazing. And I think that's something movies really need to do now is to get people back into the movie theaters, get people back excited, make it more of an experience. You know, I saw this thing the other day on Twitter of back in the day when the movie Clue came out, they ran it with different endings in different parts of the country. Something like that. I can't believe somebody hasn't really redone on a mass scale. It's been somewhat replicated in the last decade or so. But I think that's just a unique idea that we need to bring together more ideas to get people back and excited about going to the movie theater, especially right now. So DC versus Marvel, I think that would get everybody back. That would crush all kinds of box office numbers, like no doubt. So that is really my top pick on crossover franchises that I would want to see. If I had to narrow it down to just two superheroes that I think would be great together, I would go Batman versus Iron Man and give me Christian Bale Batman and, of course, Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. They're kind of similar characters. They're both billionaire playboys. Tony Stark, of course, is a bit more full of himself and self-serving. And then Batman as Bruce Wayne is also some rich guy with some demons that he's fighting inside. I just think if you're going to put any two major characters against each other, you would put them two. Because at the end of the day, they're both actually just regular dudes. Don't really have any kind of actual superpower other than being filthy, stinking rich. So I think that'd be a great crossover. Another one on my list is crossover the Transformers franchise and the Pirates of the Caribbean. I feel like these are a little bit similar because they both started out as really strong franchises. The first two movies in both of these franchises were without a doubt the best out of the entire thing. And then over the course of all the movies they had, greatly fizzled out. I would say both with the last movie they both put out was probably the worst. And I really regret going to see those movies. But... At the time, these were so beloved. Like, the new Transformers movies would, like, crush box office numbers, and everybody was talking about these back when it was Shia LaBeouf and Megan Fox. Same thing with Pirates of the Caribbean. They made so much money, it's almost ridiculous. And I just feel like there's some kind of world and crossover idea where these could exist. If they could fight a giant sea creature, why not fight a Decepticon? I just think that would be a great way to revive two franchises that really just kind of fizzled out. Give them a whole new life. Have Michael Bay direct it. Throw in all the explosions. Throw in the pirates. And you got yourself a movie. Now the next two franchises I put together. I feel like they kind of have a similar setup. In that there's a school where all these people go. There's a school of mutants. And there's a school of wizards. 
And I think the crossover of Harry Potter and X-Men could kind of make sense. I would watch a movie. Now, I could almost see this movie playing out like a TV sitcom from back in the day. Two schools just happen to meet together for a crossover episode. They happen to meet together for a fight. And you're kind of, as a viewer, determining what team do you want to be a part of? The Wizards or the Mutants? I think the only problem I would see here... I guess they would have to team up together because if they were fighting each other, I feel like Harry Potter really couldn't do much if Wolverine were to take his blades and put him right through him. Like he would just, that, he's out. So I see it more as two schools kind of coming together and fighting a greater supernatural villain that they could both take down. I would watch that. Now this next one I was thinking of, I was trying to match two people just fighting for what they believe in, two people fighting to defend their residents trying to stand their ground. And the two franchises that came to mind were Home Alone and Die Hard. Give me John McClane and Kevin McAllister coming together to fight some super evil genius. You have the ruggedness and the crudeness and the viciousness and the over-the-top action from Bruce Willis. And then you have the sweet innocence of Kevin McAllister. I guess you get... Macaulay Culkin now as an adult. But the thing about this that would be great is that Home Alone was funny because it's him defending himself with all these random things he could find in his house. But I always thought that Home Alone would be a much different movie if the burglars had a gun. Like, I don't know of many burglars who would go into a situation where they're going to rob a house knowing that there's a kid in there and not take some form of, like, protection or even intimidation. They basically roll in with nothing. So you up the stakes here. You get some harder criminals coming after Kevin McAllister. But give him Bruce Willis with a gun to defend himself. I think they'd make a great buddy duo comedic team. I could see the movie poster now. Next up on my list that I have would be the perfect kids movie. It would bring together one legendary franchise that was even before my time. But then another franchise that not only I grew up with, but now kids are starting to grow up with. And it would really cross all kinds of movie fans and it would be a Muppets and Toy Story crossover. Now I feel like the Muppets are very underrated and the 2011 movie that came out starring Jason Siegel I thought was a really great movie and I kind of thought it was going to serve as a big Muppets revival. I know after that movie they did get that TV show and I think I was the only one who watched that show but I just think comedically the Muppets are just really funny with humor that not only I get as an adult but that kids love. And you have these instantly recognizable characters that I just feel have been a little bit out of the mainstream as of late, aside from Kermit the Frog. So you take them and you mix them with the success that not only Toy Story had in the 90s and early 2000s, but even now with the last Toy Story 4. And the cool visual aspect that would make this really entertaining to watch is you could mix it with the live action and then animated 3D stuff. Kind of two worlds coming together where you see... The Muppets as cartoons, which they did have a show back in the day, Muppet Babies. It's not unusual they would see them as cartoons, but taking the Toy Story characters out of just being animated to being either real-life toys or real-life puppets, I think that would be a really cool movie to do. You need some amazing animators. You need some great Pixar writers. You need all the best puppeteers and voices, and I think that would be an amazing crossover. Kids would love it. But more importantly, I would love it. All right, I have a couple more on my list. And the next one I think would be the perfect action crime movie mixed with some sci-fi. And I think you take Ocean's Eleven, the entire Ocean's franchise, and mix it together with Ghostbusters. I think the premise here, I think it's the cast of characters from the Ocean movies. Bring back all the originals. 
and then you cross them over with the Ghostbusters because they're trying to break into a casino, but the casino happens to be haunted with ghosts. You call up the Ghostbusters, you get the comedy from the Ghostbusters mixed with the sci-fi element, but I think these Ghostbusters have to be a little more intense and hardcore. I think you make the ghosts scarier. I think you make the actual action of them capturing the ghosts a lot more hardcore and some of them could be demons so it's a grittier ghostbusters to match the real lifeness of today and then the guys trying to break into the casino they would almost have to be crooked ghostbusters because they're essentially agreeing to help break into the casino and of course they get that cut and both of these franchises have actually had spinoffs with all female casts so you can mix it up here and I've liked both of the remakes of these movies. They weren't really well received by everybody else. But hey, put them both together and maybe you have something here. All right. And my final crossover movie franchise that I think needs to happen. Take my ultimate favorite superhero, Spider-Man, and mix them with another group of comic book characters that like Spider-Man are both teenagers, both witty, funny have an attitude, but it can also take down some criminals, take down some supervillains. Because I think we need to see a Spider-Man and Ninja Turtles crossover. And I don't want the 3D, big and bulky Ninja Turtles from the Michael Bay movies. I want the original guys in costumes from the 90s Ninja Turtles. And while you're at it, just recast Spider-Man again. Who cares? I think you give it to Donald Glover, who was originally rumored to be the new Spider-Man at one point. You give it to Donald Glover. It's Spider-Man and the Ninja Turtles taking over New York City, keeping it safe. Again, they're both owned by completely different studios. There's no way this would happen. But if it did, I could die happy. I would never have to watch another movie again. I would go to the theater, watch this movie, and leave and hang up my hat forever from movie reviewing and ever watching another movie because my journey as a movie viewer, as a reviewer, would be complete. So there's my list. Hope you enjoyed that. Hope I didn't get your... <laughs> so there's my list. Hope you enjoyed that. Hope that was fun. And I hope I didn't get your hopes up too high because unfortunately, none of those are happening. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes... I guess identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for deliverance. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. 
Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Now, this week is a double movie review feature. First, I want to talk about the brand new Netflix movie called Stowaway, a movie I was excited about because I love space movies. Whether they're good or terrible, I'm going to watch them no matter what. Now, this is kind of me recovering from the last George Clooney Midnight Sky, which wasn't that big of a fan of, but I saw the trailer for this, knew I had to watch it. It stars Anna Kendrick and Tony Collette. Before I get into the review, which will be spoiler-free, by the way, here's just a little bit of the trailer. There's no easy way to say this. Life support is damaged permanently. We only have enough oxygen board for three people. Everyone on board will suffocate before we ever make it to Mars. So when this movie first got announced, I actually came on the podcast and did kind of my prediction of what the movie was going to be about. Kind of giving it the somewhat generic plot line that most space movies kind of follow now. Which I get it. You go to space, you kind of have to have the same problem. A mission going awry. And when I watched this movie... It wasn't what I was expecting. I think the plot line still kind of played out a little bit of the same way, but I thought it was going to be more of a thriller from the trailer, from the premise of the movie, from the overall, even just the title of it. I thought it was going to be a full on thriller, some jump scares, things like that. But I found it was kind of a full on, almost down to earth drama that I wasn't expecting. And the movie is about this three person crew. They're trying to get to Mars and they're going on the mission. Everything's fine. And then about 20 minutes into the movie, they discover this person who got stuck in while doing some maintenance and somehow survived the takeoff and survived them getting into space. And then they're trying to help him out, figure out how he got aboard and just what's going on with this guy. And then the problem they encounter is they were really only planning to get there with three people. Now they have four and it really puts all of their lives in jeopardy and they have to make a decision on how to save the people on board. So it's almost like an old school classic kind of premise on who do you save, that kind of scenario. And what's the moral thing to do in the situation? And it gets a little bit away from being a space movie, which I thought was a little bit refreshing. It feels a little bit like a movie that didn't have to take place in space, but the fact that it does is what makes it a bit of a different movie. And along the same lines of the movie I reviewed last week, The Father, it also has a very minimal cast. This only has four 
characters the entire time. And not only that, but even when they communicate back to Earth, you don't even hear those people's voices, which I thought was a unique touch. So this movie almost feels claustrophobic. If you have a kind of issues with feeling like you're in an enclosed space and watching something like this, it might make you feel a little bit anxious. I mean, it's everything from there only being four people in this really small space, but the overall visuals of this movie, the overall set, is pretty small. You don't even get a whole lot of the exteriors of what's going on in space, so I kind of wanted to see a little bit more of that. That's really why I watch a space movie, to see a world that I never get to see, that we never get to see, portrayed in a movie, and you didn't get a whole lot of that. It almost felt like this could have been just a straight-up like Broadway play or something. It was so stripped down. So if I had to compare it to the last space movie that Netflix put out, it's a lot better than the George Clooney movie because it actually presents a scenario where while you're watching this, you're thinking, what would you do in this situation? I thought Andrew Kendrick's character really carried this whole entire movie, although I think it is an interesting casting choice to put Anna Kendrick in a space movie. And the other thing I liked about this movie is they actually kept it pretty scientific. They actually work with some scientists, some astronauts to kind of get the overall science right behind this movie. So in that aspect, it doesn't seem super far-fetched. So overall, I like the setting, I like the characters, I enjoyed the plot, but overall, I was kind of expecting and wanting a little more suspense, a little bit more of a thriller to kind of keep me engaged. In a movie that's about two hours long, I felt like it needed just a little bit of something more. It definitely falls into more of the drama genre than it does like a space movie. And the other thing is there's certain points of the movie you're not exactly sure what's going on and what the problem is. I feel like until the very end, which I won't ruin by the way, you don't really get a sense of what was trying to be accomplished and what exactly they're doing. And it was maybe because they tried to keep it so scientific that it kept everybody like, oh, wondering what's going on at the exact moment. And again, won't ruin the ending, but you will feel something by the end of this movie. And it will make you question if you ever wanted to go to space whether or not you would want to go by the end of this movie. So overall, I would give it three out of five spaceships. I don't think I wasted time watching this movie. I think it was a step in the right direction for Netflix putting out some really good original content movies. I feel like they've lacked a little bit in the last six months or so. But if you're looking for a good, not great drama sci-fi, I think this could be the movie for you talking about the new Mortal Kombat movie and I brought my brother and also fellow movie lover Rudy on what's going on Rudy Hi. <laughs> so, <laughs> I feel like both you and I love the original Mortal Kombat right and it's not really known as being like a great movie it's almost just a cheesy movie that I think that's why we loved it back in the day right yeah I think I think I love it you know those typical nostalgia reasons I saw it in fifth grade. So, you know, you have those memories of going to the movie theater as a kid and the popcorn and the, you know, now it's just, it's kind of corny, but it's still fun. But I think as a kid, uh, we watched those movies mainly because we played the video game and then seeing it in real life, it was like, oh, cool. There's Scorpion. There's Sub-Zero. That's what made it cool. Oh yeah, that too. And any movie you saw as a kid that it was a video game first or a, a cartoon or whatever made it into it was like, oh, this is, way more cooler like this is awesome but the new one i don't know all right let's get into it so i feel like we had two different opinions going into this movie and what we got out of it so what was your initial reaction after you finished the new mortal Kombat? uh it was really dumb okay. like really dumb but did you expect this movie to be like something like a different level like what, what were you trying to get out of it 
Uh, to be honest, I really wasn't expecting much. I didn't even know they were making a new Mortal Kombat movie until about a week ago. And then I watched it. I was like, oh, cool. It's here today. And then I watched it. And then throughout the movie, just, I don't know, I had just kind of a weird reaction to it. I was giggling through the entire movie <laughs> just at how dumb it was. I, I, I guess I had fun, but for the, you know, for different reasons. I kind of felt the same way too, but I took it as I needed something to escape a little bit. And I feel there's very few movies out right now that you can watch and like, you know, it's going to be completely mindless. It's going to be people fighting. And even from the trailer where you see somebody get impaled with literally ice through the chest, you're like, I kind of know what I'm going to get to expect from this movie. And I did find myself too laughing like while I was watching this movie, mainly because when they kind of incorporate the video game and, you know, the finish him catchphrases and stuff like that, I felt like that was a little bit forced in there. Did you? Oh, totally. Yeah, the um, was it the Japanese actor who played uh, Scorpion? Total, like, total, you know, Japanese accent or whatever in the movie. And then when he comes out and he does the, the Scorpion, get over here! Yeah. And it, and it just kind of takes you out of it for a second. Like, oh, man, that was, wow, that was really corny. <laughs> the only part that really lost me is when Kano was like, Kano wins. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know. I think maybe those are the best parts in the movie. Whenever they they uh, reference the video game, uh, was it not fatality? It was uh, flawless victory. Oh yeah, <laughs> but I yeah, think, those were hilarious. I think that's what I wanted to see. That's why I, after I watched it, I was like, you know what? That was everything that movie could have been. And what I did like about it is they really stepped it up with the violence, with the R rating, which you didn't get in the first one. Like the actual killing and fights in the movie were pretty brutal like all the blood splatters like the people's heads getting ripped off like all of that stuff was what i wanted from it and i haven't seen that kind of just brutal action in a video game adaptation so i think that's why i ended up liking it at the end of it yeah yeah that was pretty cool and yeah i totally enjoyed that but for a second i was kind of like well who's this movie for <laughs> okay because it's because it's super corny and like it reminded me of being a kid and like you know play fighting in the in the backyard with you know a broomstick and that's like that's exactly what this movie was but you know but very violent and bloody so yeah i was kind of like who's this movie for i think that's a great point because they're playing off the nostalgia of people like you and i who grew up with the first one who played the video game and now are like adults like oh i want to watch a new mortal kombat movie but who is it for? <laughs> like, we, we couldn't have watched this movie as kids. No way our parents would have let, let us watch somebody get annihilated and all the cursing and all that kind of thing. So... Yeah, 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 yeah. keep going. Well, yeah, because it's like, it, ha it still has the cheesiness as the first one, but it's just more hardcore and brutal. So, like you and I, the issues we had with it were the corniness, but we liked the brutality. So, like, who was watching this? <laughs> yeah, I was thinking while I was watching the movie... Uh, oh, this is going to, you know, this is going to inspire or, you know, little kids who see this are going to, you know, whenever they, they go home or, you know, they go out to play with their friends, they're going to play Mortal Kombat whenever they get home, you know, with all their buddies or whatever. But then I thought, wait, you know, maybe little kids should not be watching this movie. Yeah. Uh, or like, you know, will parents let their kids watch this movie? So then it's like, well, now I feel like an idiot because I'm like, well, you know, Am I going to go play with my buddies? Mortal Kombat, <laughs> you know? But, uh, yeah, it's just, the movie was weird. 
So if you had to give it a rating out of the five scale, what would you give it? Uh, I'd give it a, I'd give it a one. A one that low, really? Yeah, I, you know, I can't, I can't give this movie its props just because it, you know, took me away for a little bit, or because you know it made me laugh, even though it wasn't really supposed to make me laugh. You know, it's like I did end up enjoying it a little bit, but I can't give it much more than that. See, I would still go a solid three out of five flawless victories. I think it was that R rating for me and all the fight scenes that went down. And I really like Goro in this. Did you? Did oh, you, yeah. I, yeah. Goro was cool. Like that fight scene, which I won't spoil what happens in the movie, but I think that got me pretty hype. And I know like going back to that original Mortal Kombat, I feel like basically Goro looked like a big turd. <laughs> <laughs> and now he like yeah, he, and now he looks like a legit like monster you would actually fear not just this weird <laughs> dude with four arms that they tried to make look like the video game character but in that scene, I don't know. it was it was <laughs> awesome <laughs> i had a nightmare about the original goro one time so you know no 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 comments on that <laughs> okay i thought i thought the original was pretty freaky yeah i well i like it i don't think it's something you have to rush to a movie theater to go watch now but i do like the added feature on hbo max you can go watch it there if you want to watch it so i'm into that i i think this movie maybe would have been a little bit better on the big screen but i kind of like the fact that i could just pause it and be like all right i need to take a break for this for a second <laughs> Yeah, watch this. If you watch this movie at home, I I watched it right in front of the TV screen, and there were so many moments throughout the movie where you can see <laughs> the kind of crappy production quality. Okay, you can see like one of the, you see like somebody holding a blade, and you're like wow, that blade is like totally made out of foam. Or you see somebody's like cool like metallic armor, and then you see it bend, and you're like, oh, I totally just saw this bend. <laughs> it just that took me out of it too. But um, yeah. I don't know. I guess you're supposed to see this on the big screen where you can't really notice that stuff. Yeah, I have. You know what I've noticed? Have you seen the new Conjuring trailer yet? No. Well, it just came out this week or last week. And like in the very last scene on that, there, there's a scene where it's the two characters at the very top of like a hill or like a like a cliff. And she like falls yeah. off the cliff. And it looks so fake that I was surprised they put that <laughs> in the trailer. <laughs> and I was like another one that's going to be on HBO Max later. But I was like. I feel like technology in movies, it's gotten to the point to where I can't tell what's real or not. It's lazy. It's crazy. Like, you can literally make somebody flying and it looked like it actually happened, but it was so fake looking. Like, I was like, how did this even get put into the trailer? I get offended when I see things like that. It's like, <laughs> come on. Like, you know, I, I'm totally cool with, you know, it's fantasy, it's this and that. But, you know, I get a little bit offended when I see something really dumb. And it's like, come on, like, come on. Come on. <laughs> All right, so that's our thoughts on the new Mortal Kombat. Take it what you will. Um, I'd say, like I said, don't rush to go see it right now, but maybe later down the line, check it out when you have the time. Now we can get into some movie news. As I mentioned at the start of the episode, I will have a whole separate podcast put up for all of the Oscar talks, so come back for that in what's really the biggest movie news of the week. But... I did mention earlier that the new trailer for The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, did drop. If you missed that, here's a little bit of that trailer. Whatever was going on, whatever happened that day, that was not Arnie. 
It's a witch's totem. We think your family was cursed. And that connection's still open. Lorraine! Now, I loved the first Conjuring movie. I think that's one of the movies in the 2010s that I went to see in theaters and actually scared me as an adult. I really love the feeling of being scared in a movie theater, and I like to find anything that can give me that feeling. At least for me, anyway. I think the hardest emotion to invoke out of people going to see a movie is comedy, making people laugh, and then scaring people. Because when it comes to things we find scary, oftentimes we're able to separate it when we go watch a movie. We can see something on the screen and be like, that's totally fake, I don't buy into that. But every now and then, when it comes to demons, and it comes to people being possessed. I think you have to have a really kind of strong grasp on your own life, your own realities to go and watch a movie like that and not be scared. And when I saw The First Conjuring, the images in that movie really shook me and stuck with me after I left the theater so much. So I think I had a nightmare after I watched The First Conjuring. And then the second one was okay, but kind of forgettable. The spinoffs with the Annabelles, I think, are decent. They, they're kind of hit or miss. And I think it's a little bit because the first one was kind of an unexpected hit. And they did it in such a way that was scary, but also real. But when you keep trying to replicate that and putting out more movies within a franchise to kind of live up to the first one, but kind of have a new take and make them scarier. That's the hard part about horror movies is you got to keep making them scarier. But the things you try sometimes don't work out. And when you don't have that same feeling as you did the first one, you're going to be like, yeah, it's not very good. So. I'm excited for The Devil Made Me Do It. The trailer looks promising. Basically, it's somebody on trial for a murder they committed while they were possessed by the devil. Sounds like a great premise. My issue only with the trailer is the visuals. Like, there's a scene that I was talking about that I played in that trailer just now where they're hanging off a cliff. It looks so CGI and so fake that I didn't buy into it. And in a world where you can make everything look exactly how it happens in the real world, even if it doesn't happen in the real world, I was surprised by that. And when it comes to making a good, good horror movie, you have to have A-plus visuals. I have to believe that there's actually a demon out there somewhere possessing people, and it's in this movie, and I'm watching it as it was fact. So that kind of took me away a little bit, and it made me think... That it might not be as good, but I'm still excited for it. I'll still go check it out on my list of movies to see this year. Also in movie news, I saw someone put up a billboard asking Marvel to revive Tony Stark. It's a billboard up in LA and it reads, For our beloved hero, please bring back Tony Stark. Now, first of all, who has the money to spend on buying a billboard to ask Marvel to bring back Tony Stark? Second of all, I don't think you need to bring back Tony Stark. I think what he did at the end of the Avengers was the greatest thing you could ever do and the best way for Tony Stark to go out. There's no reason to revive the character. I love Iron Man. Let it go. And that's coming from one of the biggest Marvel fans you'll ever meet. I don't think he should come back. I don't think they should revive Iron Man in any way. No prequels. Don't bring him back in any capacity. He's done. He's finished. He did what he needed to do for us. And I don't want to ruin the legacy of Iron Man. And would it really be that great? No. It would take away from everything that movie meant. Take the billboard down. You shouldn't have spent your money. And I don't think the hashtag bring back Tony Stark to life is ever going to catch on. That's a terrible hashtag, by the way. 
But also in Marvel news, while I'm on this rant that I'm actually standing up for now, is that Captain America 4 is apparently in development now. And this comes after Falcon and the Winter Soldier had their season finale over on Disney+, Plus, which I have been watching. And they're saying now that the head writer and creator of that show is developing a fourth installment of the Captain America film franchise for Marvel. I like Captain America. He's not one of my favorite Avengers. I always thought the movies were okay. And it wasn't until you brought him fighting Iron Man that I really took it more seriously. I thought the first one was kind of boring. Second one was great. And it really wasn't until Avengers Endgame where I really kind of got Captain America more and was rooting for him. But I did watch the Disney Plus show and thought it was fine. Like, I think that whole series, the six episodes, probably would have worked better as a movie, but I get it. Marvel's really kind of going all out on their TV shows right now, but I really felt like that would have made such a strong movie. I don't think that entire story needed to be dragged out over six episodes, but I get that it serves kind of as the lead up to this Captain America 4, which I'm, for the first time, actually excited about because that last episode was really the only time I found myself enjoying an episode all the way through. So there's no reports on who will be cast in the movie. There's speculation on what the story is going to be after that finale. Won't ruin that for you. But you could Google that later if you want to know. And if you've already seen that. But that's actually for the first time in a while that I'm actually excited about a new Marvel Disney announcement. So have that to look forward to soon. Which it probably won't come out for another three or four years. It just if you're wondering. But time now for the listener shout out, which I do every single week. All you have to do to get one is send me a DM on Instagram. Tweet me at Mike Destro. Comment over on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Mike Destro. Or send me an email. That email is moviemikeD at gmail.com. And this one's actually an email from Maisie. She says, hey, Mike D, I'm a big fan of the Bobby Bones Show and your movie podcast. I'm from Austin, Texas, and I know your fiance is also from Austin. I was wondering what are your favorite things to do when y'all are back home in Texas? And also, what do y'all do when you have trouble picking a movie together? My family always takes a long time picking one. What are y'all's suggestions for that situation? Thanks, Maisie. Well, first of all, yes, my fiance, Kelsey, who comes on here as a co-host from time to time, she is from Austin. I was actually born and grew up in Waxahachie, Texas. But I moved to Austin and lived there for about seven years before I moved to Nashville, where I am now. But when we go back home, which we're actually about to have to do here in the next month or so to go get our marriage license, because we're actually getting married in Texas this summer. So when we go back, we were already talking about we want to go to Juiceland, which is one of our favorite spots in Austin for smoothies. But they also have some really great food. And if we're not getting smoothies, we're probably getting coffee at Summer Moon. Another great spot in Austin. They actually have several locations there, and Juice Lands are all over the place there. So if we have any trip back home, those two places are on our list all the time. And when it comes to trouble picking a movie together, which I get can be difficult. So what do we do when we want to pick a movie to watch together? We just find something we both like and pick that for our Friday night movie. And if ever there's a movie I want to watch and Kelsey doesn't want to watch it, I'll just end up watching it on my own on Saturday mornings. That's kind of my little safe haven where I watch anything I want to watch, no matter how weird it is or scary. She cannot do scary movies. But what I would recommend in a family setting is everybody put the movie they want to watch on a little slip of paper, throw them all in the hat, and then have a person without any bias pick from the hat 
and that's the movie you end up watching. So that's my recommendation there. Thanks, Maisie, for the email. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this week's podcast. Also, make sure you update your feed later and check out the Oscar coverage episode. Hope you guys have a great week, and until next time, later. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from The Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.